0: Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sanjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sanjo Gall.
1: Hello and uh, welcome to this segment on CTN. To learn more, please visit CIOTalknetwork.com, and our topic for today is Leadership Recipe for VUCA. And our guest for today's show is Greg Chartner, who is the Chief Information Officer with uh, New Jersey Institute of Technology. Hey, Greg, how are you?
2: Good morning. Fine, thanks.
1: Great, great. And we also have John Ellinger, who is the CIO with Bowling Green State University. Hey, John, how's life treating you?
3: Wonderful every day.
1: Wonderful every day. I love the sentiment. So, guess what? We're going to talk about an interesting topic, and I'm I'm sure both of you, in your own respective ways of dealing with it. So let's talk about VUCA. VUCA means vol- volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. Now, these four areas, which, of course, we live with in a day-to-day life. Now, when it comes to organizations, dealing with them and keeping the lights on and or making progress in the organization is always a challenge. And these things always existed. So leaders are not unaware or they are actually have done a lot of practice dealing with them, but maybe more so in an episodic manner. Now what we are looking at is a constantly changing environment and the intensity of VUCA also increasing exponentially. Everything is moving. So would your leadership style, your recipe, your approaches change? That's what we are here to discuss. So that said, Greg, let's start with you. When you look at VUCA as a state of affairs, what is a general approach that leaders are taking? Do you think it is coming to a point, given the intensity increase and everything else, that they are just throwing towel, throwing their towel in and, and saying, you know what, it's crazy. I'll, I'll see what I can do, but no promises. Is that how they're tackling it?
2: Well, at least in my particular case, as as the technology leader of the organization, you really can't say that. You have to be the a stable voice and sometimes a sea of chaos with all of the different variables and all the different constituents that you have to support. So one of the things that I found that I I try to help mentor my managers is to continue to be agile and be able to be adoptive to all these different technologies and services that we're asked to provide. Sometimes with flat budgets, sometimes with you know reduced budgets. So it's a challenge to try and support everyone with with the changing technologies and you know people who've got legacy skills really have to continue to reshape themselves and reinvent themselves because if if you stand still, you get run over almost instantly.
1: And so what 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 you're saying is this is like a hero mindset that we have to wear and is it being worn authentically or is it more to keep our jobs? And I'm not saying you or anyone else, but but given that things are literally sometimes out of control.
2: Well, I think I think things are out of control. I think organizations in many cases have stayed legacy for too long and they have not continued to reevaluate there their no training, their infrastructure, their, you know, really all services and process that exist in the organization. If those have been left untouched for too long, I think it becomes very difficult to adapt to what's happening quickly. And I think that very often those are the organizations that fail, and those are the organizations where senior leadership of the organization need to see changes and sometimes unfortunately those are personnel changes as well as you know funding changes to to replace infrastructure computers uh you know all kinds of different things so you've got to stay current you've got to anticipate people's needs and you have to be able to to adapt almost instantaneously because as we all know technology is literally changing overnight
1: okay so so when john you look at it what has been your experience dealing with Vuka?
3: well first of all i think there's nothing at our institutions that happen today without technology uh almost every application that somebody wants to bring on or every decision about merging or acquisitions or uh, creating new programs all involve technology. So today compared to five, six years ago, uh, we have to be at the table. Uh, at the beginning, uh, for the discussion, because everything that is happening now on our campus, whether it is involves security or compliance, or or um, new applications, or new majors, or uh, new esports programs, uh, all involve technology and all involve us. That complexity, that that volatility that you talk about, is created by an organization that is interested in changing itself. And I agree with, with Greg uh, that there are uh, opportunities for us to be uh, involved with others, and it, the challenges are there. There is absolutely no doubt about it. And it is coming faster and faster at us because we're all competing for students, whether they be online or uh, uh, traditional students, or uh, even um, non-traditional students, uh, we're all competing for the same group of folks, and and so competition is up, uh, costs are up, efficiency requests are up, etc. So uh, it is it is a new ball game, so to speak, from what we had five years ago, and the pace, as I'm seeing it, just going to continue.
1: So, John, your response assumed that volatility is something that is being self-created in the interest of the organization's growth. The volatility I'm referring to could be an unexpected event, which could create instability and that too for an unknown period, and which was not truly a a progressive move by the organization. And frankly, those volatility-related incidents do occur. And you may even know what's going on behind the scenes. Now, that's, that's not something you will voluntarily embla- embrace. But can no. you plan for it?
3: Yeah, well, I think you have to be proactive. And I'll give you an example of it. Uh, uh, the U.S. Department of Education Office of Civil Rights uh, sent us a, uh, uh, a, a letter and said, hey, your, your web pages are, are out of uh, compliance and you have to fit it back in. Um, and not only is that, number one, uh, a surprise to us because we've been working on it, uh, but number two, uh, that we had to to now stop. We had to go find uh, three or four or five groups around campus, pull us on the same room, uh, get an attorney into the room, work our way through that, and that is a process that goes on for years. So uh, it is not just what we planned but what is now being pushed on us, uh, sometimes through compliancy. Uh, the European Union uh, security proposals, another one that we weren't necessarily planning for it, but, hey, it's here. You've got to deal with it, and you've got to figure out a way to work with others around you to do it.
1: So. Greg when you look at VUCA overall right you know all different things that we spoke about the volatility uncertainty complexity and ambiguity can you truly plan for it so yeah John's response was that you could you could work on it but then can you plan for it so are we should we get better at responding or try to preventing try to prevent these things from happening which we truly cannot
2: well, I, I think in many cases you have to categorize you know, some of those threats and some of those disruptions that are book-related. And, you know, as John kind of uh, told the story, we have similar instances where in the state of New Jersey they have changed tax laws and they have changed ways that we have to process payroll and process different deductions. So those sorts of mandates often come out, and within weeks, all the state entities now have to go in and start modifying their payroll systems to comply with those sorts of things. Those are cases where it is unexpected and you just have to react and and hopefully the system has been built in such a way that you can implement those changes without major modifications or major customizations. There could be other unexpected events and very often those relate to some sort of security uh, problems. You hope that you've built your your edge network and your endpoints in such a way that those sorts of problems can be compartmentalized and reacted to very quickly so that they don't cause major problems because none of our organizations want to be, as I learned in you know, my case when I used to work in the Washington, D.C. area, you didn't want to be above the fold of the Washington Post. You didn't want to be in the paper as somebody whose data had been, you know, uh, taken or uh, was left unsecure. So there are many things that we have to react to. Some we can anticipate things are happening, like security flaws and those things. We do the most or the best that we can. But mandates from different state and federal government organizations are very often things that we have no idea. These things are coming, and we have to react just as quickly.
1: So I totally get it. Yeah, go ahead, John.
3: One of the things I think that's interesting uh, in this area is I get up every morning, I have no idea what the surprise I'm going to get for the day. Uh, so planning for it is not there. What I try to do is to create uh, staffing and an organization and a, and a response approach that I don't care what the subject matter is. It could be a new piece of software that somebody wants to bring me or a compliance, uh, but It is an approach uh, to the future that we have to be uh, uh, quick on our feet. We have to be able to respond uh, quickly to events. And it is a mindset of your staff to do that, hey, this is just normal business now, and we have to come up with simple ways of responding uh, to very complex issues uh, and how are we are going to do it? Who's going to be responsible for these particular areas? So to me, it's, it's a, an approach uh, that helps us uh, get through the day, but more importantly, uh, not worry about a specific crisis of, uh, of the day, but uh, certainly how to deal with them when they come.
1: Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And, uh, John, when we come back, I'd like you to compare what you used to do to deal with VUCA, which was more episodic and not as frequently and not like as if you're drinking from the fire hose as you do today. What's your style? What, What have you changed in your approach to dealing with it compared to, say, a decade ago? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back.
4: Or call 773-693-3919. Visit today.
0: Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sanjogal. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back. So, John, a decade ago, the way you dealt with VUCA, it's not that it didn't exist, and the way you do now, which is more in intensity and more dynamic. What's your difference?
3: Uh, I think what's different is the uh, in the past... We would get one of these maybe once a month, Uh, but today it's almost once a day. Uh, Our procedures for handling them are different. Uh, I now have, uh, using portfolio management uh, to take care of and keeping track of everything, I now am assigning uh, certain staff to oversee them and make sure they get done. Uh, We're creating uh, teams of people from across campus to address, uh, like accessibility, we had marketing communications, we had disability services, we had IT, uh, we had uh, departmental uh, and college uh, folks at the table, uh, because the span of this uh, affected everybody, but more importantly, you've got a certain amount of time that they give you to respond. And so whether it's a compliance, again, or uh, even um, uh, a a legal response, uh, you've, you've got to Make sure you get it uh, done quickly.
1: So, Greg, when you look at the approach that you've been taking, have you made a material change in your style, if you will, to tackle this in over the years?
2: Well, I think over the years, I've just learned to be as adaptable and agile as possible. I mentioned that earlier. And I think you have got to uh, mentor your staff to have the same sort of philosophy that What they may have done yesterday may not be the right way to do it today. So I think we are constantly looking at processes and practices in anticipation of these sorts of volatile or disruptive requirements or mandates may be applied to us. So I I think it's always a constant of trying to catch up and stay ahead and there are challenges to do in, in, in today's scenario.
1: Would it be okay for a leader to accept that it could be fuzzy at times, even for them, or you got to always play the hero?
3: I think it's well, fuzzy th- every th- time th- this. Oh, sorry. Sorry, sorry, John. <laughs> That's okay. I think it's fuzzy every time that, uh, that some of this comes in because I don't know all the subject matter expertise about it. And sometimes I have to go and start learning about it uh, uh, brand new.
1: So, Greg, when you look at your uh, approach to it, did you go and kind of tweak your playbook to say, when I have volatility, where you could have the knowledge of the kind of things that can happen? Do you think you, you, or not think you, have you put in place some breathing room for your staff and yourself to work on those contingencies or potential contingencies, and so you so-called ready for it? Not when it comes, then I'm going to somehow tackle it.
2: Yeah, I think we always strive to be proactive and not reactive. So one of the things I do with my staff is have them constantly look at all the different business journals and technology journals to see what may be happening to our peer institutions or other organizations like us so that hopefully we can get out in front of any sort of issue or scenario that may may come on to us. But, you know, one of the things that John said earlier that's made this difficult is because technology has become so ingrained and relevant across all kinds of areas, there are situations now where technology or IT people are being asked to the table where a few years ago they may not have been. So we're being exposed to different areas of the organization that we may not have been We're probably not up to speed as much as we should be. So it's it's that constant learning that, you know, I try to impart to all of my managers and leadership that we have to try and stay in front of this. And it just becomes a challenge to try and do all this stuff while we keep the lights on, which is still kind of the critical piece of the organization.
1: So what you just mentioned, is it formalized or is it, okay, guys, go ahead, read something and let's talk when you, have some, when you have a moment versus every month, we will bring some ideas to the table of the type of things we have to plan for and we will then spend some budget as well as some time and energy to tackle them and so we stay prepared at least in these five use case areas. Is it that black and white yet, or is it still seat of the pants?
2: Well, we try to have monthly, you know, staff meetings where we just talk about some of those things that people see are potential trends that we need, we need to take some action against. And it could be compliance, it could be security uh, problems, it could be mandates, it could be just improved services or improved products and, or improved technology that may provide better services to our customers. So I I, I think it's a lot of those different things. It's hard to actually say it's one particular area. And I think it's a part of our culture.
3: Uh, We have to ingrain uh, this uh, uh, process into our culture. And uh, as Greg said, make sure we have our folks looking forward, being proactive, looking at alternatives, looking at new technology. Um, one of the issues that we're dealing with today is how in the world will we get the new technology that businesses and companies are uh, embracing uh, onto our campus so our students can touch it and use it? And how can I get faculty to start using it uh, in their classes so that the students learn it? Um, Those types of new applications, new devices, uh, and the new technology has to be on campus, and, and we're not doing it. But we also have to then deal with the downstream effect after we get it, who's going to support it, who's going to uh, answer their questions and, and, and help with the uh, adaptation uh, of, of it across campus.
1: Talk about uncertainty, and John, this will be for you. When we look at uncertainty means things we don't even know that could happen. do you think there is a way, and those things happen right? I mean that's happening more and more on things mm-hmm. which comes from the left field we didn't even anticipate. What is it that you could at all do at a leadership level and to prepare your organization so then you will become what I would say is more resilient number one, so it doesn't kind of totally break you, but at the same time, even going the next level where if it's something like that happens, while you tackle it, but also see if there's a way to harness that as an opportunity.
3: Uh, first for me is I have to stay in, in regular contact with the leadership uh, of deans, uh, vice presidents uh, across the campus as to what they're doing, what they're thinking, what are they trying uh, to do next, because they're the ones who are going to make a decision that will impact what we do. Uh, secondly, that uh, I have to then take that uh, concept that they may be having. I meet, met with the College of Education Dean on Tuesday and she has a brand new uh, grant uh, that they have just received and they're going to want X, Y, and Z. How am I going to get my organization to respond to that? The grant won't be here for three more months. So I buy a little time, but that was the first time that I had heard about that. Uh, Or maybe I walk into uh, the president's office and he says, Oh, by the way, uh, we're going to be doing uh, uh, a merger of a, of a, uh, private uh, uh, college down the street here. Um, And I said, whoa! (laughs) Um, And those surprises, uh, some bigger uh, than others, but you have to be able to come back and give them to somebody, uh, whether you call that an analyst or somebody else to take it and run with it, or a project manager, but somebody has to own that uh, particular uh, experience and And then involve the rest of us as needed.
1: Greg, when you look at uncertainty, how do you explain that to your people? I mean, you are supposed to ideally, I mean, not be a superhuman, but someone who would have the uh, the the maturity, if you will, to know uncertainty. Things uncertainty uh, uncertainty will be the part of life and in business. But then, what about your own people? Do you think there is something to be done to prepare them for this?
2: Well, I think that you very often, at least I always leverage my knowledge and experience throughout my career of how I handle these things, and I try and, you know, kind of assimilate that to, to the folks that report to me so that they know what I'm thinking, and I continue to give them some level of, of direction. But, you know, as as we're talking, one of the interesting things that I'm thinking about is very often, at least in my organization is, is we almost create this VUCA or disruptive environment ourselves because we are, for instance, always looking at the next generation of networking, the next generation of cloud storage and, and, you know, and, and transitioning to the cloud. So we're often forced to be disruptive ourselves to continue moving forward. And any time or every time we make those sorts of decisions and start looking at those sorts of newer technologies or ideas, we create the uncertainty, I think, in our own shops because very often people have been doing the same thing for many years. And when they're asked to learn something different, to do something different, I think it adds layers of complexity, but sometimes it adds layers of uncertainty within your own staff of is there a future for me in this organization because we're moving to X and we've been doing Y for many years. So I think you have to balance a lot of those sorts of situations also.
1: And both of you, when you, I mean, of course we'll go one at a time, uh, when both of you look at what you've done and where did you reach with it? If, If you were to kind of measure your efforts versus the outcome where you have developed your capability to as an organization to deal with uncertainty. Let's go one at a time. So John, you put in some effort to make your organization ready for uncertainty or at least do better with uncertainty. Would you, yeah, I, would you be able to I, share what happened? What, what is the change? Uh, the change
3: is, to me is I'm comfortable with where my organization is right now uh, to be able to um, look at change, accept change, um, is just a part of everyday life. Uh, I agree with Greg. Uh, you, sometimes we do create this because we want the next new thing too. We're no different than, than our customers uh, because they want the new thing and we want the new thing too. And sometimes uh, we do uh, uh, contribute to that. But I, but as far as a, creating a culture, creating a response team, recreating the process to do it, I'm comfortable with where I'm at right now uh, within the organization. Can I handle the the, the increased um, um, what's the word I'm for uh, increased pace of this in the next couple of years? Hmm, probably not. Got to rethink that a little bit because uh, my my structure is built for what I have now.
1: And, Greg, what, do you, what, do you, what have you done? I mean, what, what you could say you've been able to do to make a material progress in your organizational maturity to deal with uncertainty with your efforts?
2: Well, I, I think we have refined a strategic plan that's at dormant for many years, and we've updated it to align with the latest technologies and aligned with the school strategic plan. So I, I think we're on the right path. I just think to achieve that path, we have to continue learning, evaluating processes and technology, and hopefully that you know at some point we get better at the uncertainty and 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 the things that are completely unexpected and unscheduled so that we can react better to those things. and as I said earlier, but still maintain the level of service that our constituents expect from us. and and that continues to change. And, you know, I'm sure John faces students of five years ago expect much different services than than on campuses today, and the same goes with faculty. So the nature of our businesses is constant change. We 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 can't stay still. We have to continue moving forward and dealing with the needs of our customers. So in the higher ed space, it's somewhat unique because we all have shared governance models. So we. We can't always dictate what direction we're going in. We have to get lots of you know input from others and merge all these together and develop strategies and plans that that get us to those areas.
1: Now, when you look at the complexity, and uh, Greg, this is a question for you, when you look at complexity, which is which is possible that it may be self-inflicted because you wanted to make experience simpler for uh, the end customer, and you had to pull things together behind the scenes. And at the same time, it could be the very business that you are in where you've got way too many entities and, and uh, people and variables that you have to pull together. Is, is the complexity, if I were to take that as a definition of complexity... Is that increasing? Has that increased over the years? And if yes, are you making any conscious effort or can you realistically make any conscious effort to simplify the complexities that are inherent?
2: Yeah, I mean, as, as an example of that, our really our network infrastructure right now is very complicated. So we are trying to demystify it and make it much more sustainable and much more supportable. But to leverage those things, to reach those goals, we are now looking at the latest technology, which are very foreign to people who manage the network for many years. So initially, it's much more complicated. But we believe after we pass the learning curve, it will become much, much less complicated to sustain and support. So... We are, we're at these tipping points now of when do we pull the trigger and make these decisions to start looking at newer technologies, knowing that our staff may begrudgingly want to learn some of these new technologies, or some of them they feel it's not for them and it's time for them to move on. So there are lots of challenges in trying to determine what, what is the right time to make those decisions.
1: Let's take a quick break listeners we'll be right back and we'll stay on the topic of complexity and John when we come back so Greg tackled it using technology or leverage rather technology to simplify whatever complexity that is developed in the organization but we also have the process and workflows which need simplification and also perhaps establish a culture which you had mentioned in the in the previously the culture of simplicity or culture of approaching everything in a simple and elegant manner so that complexity dies at its own death because the way you run your business, the way you think about anything, you're inherently trying to simplify. What does it take to build that mindset and what does it take to get in a mode where everyone whosoever is working, even at a process and culture level, is pursuing simplicity which naturally attacks and kills Complexity. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back.
0: Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise.
4: Patient centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, RedMain can help. To find out how RedMain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit RedMain.com forward slash or call 773-693-3919. Visit today.
0: You are listening to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjo Gall.
1: Now back to the show. Welcome back. So, uh, John, when it comes to complexity, the sea of the VUCA, we did speak about that, and Greg mentioned very uh, creatively we can use technology to tackle it, and and wherever possible, use it to ensure that simplification becomes the mantra. But there is an also an underlying process, and workflow-related simplification required, and even further down, an underlying sentiment and a mindset of enabling simplicity throughout. So, whenever complexity even surfaces, you naturally kill it like a weed with your spray of simplicity. Now, is this good theoretically, or is it possible in practice?
3: Uh, that's, a, that's a great uh, uh, um, visualization of spraying it to, <laughs> to simplify it. But um, uh, I would say, again, back to the culture, um, the type of staff that we are, are looking for today, um, almost every single time uh, now a person is hired, it's Or do you have good problem-solving skills? That's one of our first questions that we'll ask all the references. Does this person, can they solve problems? Uh, How do they go about it? How do they treat people uh, when they're doing it? Uh, Can they analyze the situation and do it well? So the skill sets that we're looking for uh, have have gone from uh, not just the technical skills, uh, but certainly into a, a lot of those soft skills because we no longer have the uh, the time, and we no longer have the extra staff uh, to compensate for um, a a person who has only technical skills. Uh, the new staff coming in have to to uh, embrace the culture uh, of chaos so to speak, and solving that chaos and making things simpler. And sometimes it's technology. Sometimes it's a process. Sometimes it is nothing more than a re-engineering of our user's process, uh, which we're spending a lot of time on today to try to make their life easier or to take paperwork out or to put technology in place uh, that is useful and, and easy to use. But it is, it is a, a total process uh, that involves people, technology, and then the systems itself.
1: So, Greg, would you agree that whenever we come across a situation, complex or otherwise, the first solution that comes to mind and in the interest of saving time, and we jump on implementing that solution, that's the recipe for increasing complexity? And if that's the case, well, do you think... Yeah, go ahead.
2: No, I was going to say... yeah. I think the worst thing you can do, the worst mistake that people often make is they throw technology at a problem before they even really understand what the problem is. So I think a big piece of that is really understanding what is it the customer, if they're the one that are driving the requirements, but what are those requirements? What is it that they're trying to achieve so that we can be thoughtful in developing a solution that supports that as opposed to very often – at least the customers I have, if they have budget, they go off and just buy something and effectively it shows up in IT's doorstep and says, here, make this work or make it do something. And we're often left floundering trying to understand what it is they're trying to achieve, let alone implement a particular solution. And much of the time, what they purchase is not sustainable because they don't understand software and hardware have licenses and annual maintenance and all those things. So there there are often big gaps in understanding that IT people have to try and harness and, and rein in those sorts of situations.
1: And would you agree that complexity is not just created in one instance. It's it's a it's accumulation of a quite a few you know quickly quick and dirty things done to essentially solve a customer's problem. But then, while all those things are happening, if there is no deliberate and intentional effort to simplify things internally and actually create projects, which will take a look at it and say, how do I simplify so it doesn't compound, then we are essentially moving towards a very highly complex thing, so complex that it starts eating our resources, which are precious. So, have you been able to do something in that regard that not only have your people only think about uh, the customers' need and why, how do I deliver on this next project, but instead look within and work intentionally to bring ideas to simplify? So you never get to that vicious cycle or of of you self-inflicting complexity because you never focused on uh, complexity because you never focused on simplicity?
2: Well, we try and, you know, I think John mentioned this also, practice good portfolio management and try and projectize as much as we can so we can properly resource and properly fund particular initiatives or tasks. And, you know, if they evolve into projects, so be it. But we try and do those things so that we can manage complexity and don't have what I like to joke here is the Wild West where it becomes chaotic and you have people or or end users, instead of going through a process of making a formal request for IT services, they call their friends or they call somebody they've worked with for years and those sorts of initiatives just become projects but they're completely unscheduled, uncoordinated, and they bump into the the initiatives that have been formally projectized. And we have a lot of those kind of bumping into each other things very often, and customers get upset because promises that may have been made to them are not kept, and, and projects are delivered late, or they're not delivered correctly because we really didn't understand what it was they were trying to achieve. So, again, I think those are some of the areas that if you have the process in place, and reduce and hopefully manage complexity.
1: John, if I were to come to you with two different phrases, one is Greg what mentioned is manage complexity. And the second is complexity reduction. So that at the pace at which complexity gets introduced, you work faster to simplify. Which one is the recipe in this current state of dynamically changing VUCA that will keep us afloat?
3: Um, to me, it's the managing um, uh, portion of, of the uh, the chaos and complexity, um, and because there's one piece that I cannot, I don't, I can't, cannot control. I cannot control the volume that's coming at me. Um, I can't control that because I don't. I have too many people asking for things. Uh, the only thing I can t- can do on the backside is manage expectations and manage the workload. I have no more people today than I had ten years ago. So, I, but I have more requests. I have more more interest in using technology. I have more areas uh, of concern. So, we have to we have to figure out a way to manage this at the present time uh, without it overrunning us.
1: So you are. Essentially saying that you, you or any other leader today is barely keeping their head above water when it comes to managing complexity. And to that end, I mean, without managing complexity, you will actually drown. So working towards simplifying is actually a pipe dream. Are you making that statement? And which is okay. We are on the air. We're talking about it. And it's not easy for anyone. But I wanted to just basically get to the bottom of this to say the mindset is what will drive us, right? So if our our leader's mindset today is to somehow manage or keep our head above water, then that progressive move to actually simplify things in an organization will never get started. And if it I'm never still gets looking started... for the drain. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Where, and then, you know what? That's why gap? I'm saying... <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So 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 yeah. we should we should accept that today in this VUCA and this advanced stages of VUCA, if someone says I'm going to work on simplifying, they're kidding. Because they are barely able to manage complexity, and keep it below the threshold. Yeah, is that a statement? Yeah, yeah. I would say
2: you know I think the best we can try and do is put in place or implement processes and procedures that try to control the flow of information and control the chaos, I, I think that's probably the best we can do because, as, as, as Don said, we are, you know, very often at the bottom of the food chain of, you know, just getting requests coming from all different angles in different areas. But I think if we have processes and procedures in place, we can manage those things. I think in organizations where there's no limitation to those things and you constantly get bombarded with requests, that's where the complexity comes into place because everyone believes their request is the top priority and critical for the organization and without a governance structure and management processes and procedures, there's no way to manage all of that. So I, I think you've got to set up guidelines and ground rules basically that you know, have governance committees and, and somebody else, not IT people, determine what the priorities are so that we can deal with these things in a structured manner as opposed to moving all over the place and getting projects or initiatives 80%, but we never quite finish them because we jump on to the next project or initiative.
3: For me, uh, the management on that is that a vice president uh, has to assume sponsorship of any initiative or project that they want IT to do. And if they're not willing to do it, then why would we be interested in it?
1: Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back, and let's talk about ambiguity, because that could happen when you are trying to innovate or test entirely new business areas or markets. You would not know what you may get into, what you may face. And frankly, businesses are yes, they want to invest in, in new areas, but there is not a whole lot of funding given for R and D and failure is not looked at with a very good uh, way by the management. So then how do you deal with ambiguity effectively? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. And this question is for Greg when we come back.
4: Or call 773-693-3919. Visit today.
0: Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. You are listening to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjo Gall.
1: Now back to the show. Welcome back. So, Greg, ambiguity. New areas, innovation, all of that is awesome. But then, does business give you the immunity for failure? Does it give you enough funding for R&D? Does it give you the breathing room among other 20 projects to be able to deal with it? How do you tackle it?
2: Well, those are all tough questions. Uh, As a research university, I'm constantly getting requests, very often from faculty, to perform research in a different way, to uh, install applications and software that they found that they want to try and use. So part of our job is to try and manage all those things while we still continue to do the operational things that are expected from us. Uh, One of the advantages of that very often is we don't have success metrics, so it's hard to determine if you failed when you don't really know sometimes what the success opportunities were, or what is it you were supposed to achieve. So I try and use those to my advantage. So we can tell faculty that we can support whatever it is they want to try and do or, or, or the administration, but we'll give our best effort because we perhaps don't have the resources. We don't, we aren't trained in, in whatever it is they're looking for. So much of what we do, are best efforts based on similar types of situations, but we can't always give Specific uh, responses because we don't know or haven't seen a particular technology or request. So it, it's a challenge. It's a bit unnerving, but you kind of get used to those things because they happen so often.
1: So, when you're looking at, John, anything that you have to do in terms of uh, tackling ambiguity, have you attempted a way by which you have more funding? you have some breathing room, and you got better by taking some measures. So anything new that comes which could cause haziness, you're able to navigate effectively through it.
3: Well, I think one of our challenges is, and my budget hasn't increased in in 10 years, and one of our challenges still is, how do we uh, uh, expose our community to new technology? Uh How do we get uh, vendors to help us uh, show some of that technology uh, uh, and and put it into our community, whether that be uh, uh, any type of uh, say cloud storage or artificial intelligence or uh, uh, virtual reality or augmented reality um, Nobody uh, has the funds to do it, so how do we make that happen? And to me, that uh, is one of the biggest frustrations I have in trying to support the campuses. There There are no new funds, so how do we carve them out? And how do we save, which then puts pressure on to being more efficient, being more effective, uh... with the efficiency that we're trying to drive out and if we drive out uh... you know a hundred thousand dollars uh... of efficiency how how do i keep it and then divert it over so that i can use it for that new fat new software that a faculty member brings in or a a new um... process that a college wants to try uh... to do uh... recruit students with um... That's the, that's the biggest challenge I think that I have on a, on a daily basis is, is when I get those phone calls is how do I manage them? And, and, and right now, the only thing I've done is I have a, taken one of my staff to, to work with what I'll call new technology, uh, something we don't have but somebody else wants.
1: Okay, 30 seconds for each of you and a very specific question. What would you fix in yourself as a leader? or improve so you're better capable of dealing with the newer version of VUCA, which is higher intensity, constantly changing, starting with you, Greg.
2: I probably would force myself to get out of my comfort zone of the way I've done things in the past and learn to be almost reactive in in what's coming and anticipate those things more. So lean on my experience and knowledge Get out of my comfort zone and do not rest on past laurels but be ready for problems that are arising every day and be able to lead the organization to to function the same way.
1: John? Uh,
3: I think I would focus on trying to challenge myself to hire better staff who who can help me with this project and to force myself into conversations uh, with leadership uh, so that I can get Uh, an earlier start on it.
1: And one question for you, John, what organizational support do you need? When you said you wanted to hire better staff.
3: Uh, I need to be able to have staff who can support me in this same cultural move.
1: On behalf of the show and our listeners, I'd like to thank you so much for John and Greg for sharing your thoughts and insights about how to build a good recipe for dealing with VUCA. Thanks so much be sure to follow us on Twitter, join our LinkedIn group, and please listen through various channels that we are on, iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Spotify, you name it. We are there, and please take the time to rate our podcasts. Thank you so much again for listening to this segment on CTN. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless.